the book of Matthew. This is starting in chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and then we're going to read uh, from Mark, chapter 4, verses 3 to 9. But this is the part from Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then from Mark, chapter 4, verse 3 to 9. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. and They were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up. It grew and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a hundred times. And then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, we are going on a journey together to discover the commands of Christ. This week, we are going to be looking at the first command repent and believe. I'm Kurt Buchanan. I'm on staff as one of the pastors here at the church. I'm really excited about this series. We kind of kicked it off with the last couple of Sundays uh, and have been queuing it up and getting ready for it. Uh, and I'm very excited about what it could maybe accomplish in us as a church. Um, but I just want to say, hey, if you're new, um, we're really glad that you're here with us and going on this journey, especially if you're Um, maybe not a Christian and you're kind of wondering maybe what it's all about, we think this is a very great time for you to be joining us. We're thrilled that you're here. We hope that you learn about Jesus, about what he's done, and what that could mean for you. But for the moment, let's kind of back up and try to give you a recap of where we've been so far in this series. So Steve launched into this series a couple of weeks ago, and he said that he was calling an audible. How many know what that phrase means? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, listening to Audible, uh, reading a book. Okay, so this is a sports term. Now, I am not a sports guy. And in fact, this phrase I've often used to try to get you to understand. Anyone who's a sports person will understand how much I know about sports when I say this phrase to you. I haven't paid attention to sports, or specifically even hockey, since Wayne Gretzky played for the Flames. Now, as a kid, my favorite hockey, I played hockey for a little while, mostly mini sticks, but also on a team for a few years. And uh, I, I didn't hardly know what was happening. We didn't watch sports or watch hockey in our home, so I was just kind of out there and guessing. But like everyone at the time, my favorite hockey team was the Oilers. I don't know if there's any Oilers fans here. I don't know if they're good or bad or what's happening out there. But um, my favorite hockey player was Wayne Gretzky. And again, because I'm a little bit slow, it took me quite a number of years to realize that my favorite hockey player didn't play for my favorite hockey team. And at that point, I was like, I don't think sports is for me. So that's why I haven't paid attention to 
sports since Wayne Gretzky played for the Flames. Now, calling an audible, as I understand it, it's, it's a quarterback calling a play out loud in, in kind of in the middle of the, the play that's happening. Maybe the plays that they had arranged, that they had talked about, weren't going to be quite the right ones for the situation or the dynamics of the game. And so calling an audible is to change the play, to say what we were planning to do or the taxis that we were using aren't working and we need to change the play. And Steve called an audible for us as a church. So, again, he said, let's change our methods and tactics. Our current methods and tactics are giving us our current results. And while Hillcrest is a nice place filled with nice people, we believe that we can and should be reaching more people with the gospel. We believe that we need to help believers like ourselves take steps forward in their faith journey in their discipleship. And we kind of feel like we're noticing a number of people who seem stuck. Now, Steve has also talked about the Canadian church being in rapid decline. He shared some stats with us over the last couple of weeks. It's in rapid decline. And if we're going to play our part as a church in seeing Canada grow and multiply uh, as a church, we need to multiply our efforts. Some of the things that we've talked about is that we need to see every believer engaged in mission. We've been talking about that for a number of years. Every believer engaged in mission, you know, taking spiritual responsibility for their sphere of influence, recognizing that each one of us has a spot, a sphere where we can have that influence. So we we need every believer trained in disciple making, knowing things like, why they should be a disciple maker, not just becoming kind of a nicer person, but they need to be a disciple maker. Every believer needs to know who they're trying to reach. They need to know what to say and do and have an action plan for when they're going to get started. See, there's roughly 35,000 people in Moose Jaw, and there's 30,000 or more of them that don't know Jesus who haven't responded to his invitation to eternal life. Life in all of its fullness. By the way, if you're not a Christian, that's what Jesus is offering. Life in all of its fullness. Eternal life, life abundant. And that's why many of us Christians, we've begun to experience that goodness, that fullness of life. And we think we should share that invitation with others. That's why we uh, need to change our tactics. We want to share with people, but oftentimes I think we are too afraid, too apathetic, or perhaps too awkward. What if you were the only Christian in Moose Jaw? What if you kind of woke up tomorrow and the reality had shifted and changed, and it was just you, maybe just you and your family. Are you ready to reach 30,000 people with the gospel? 35,000, I guess, if suddenly you're the only one. Do you have a strategy? Do you feel like you have the tools necessary to share the gospel, to make disciples, to plant churches? If you are feeling like you aren't prepared for that, fear not. That's what this new play is all about. And in fact, the new play has been in the works for a while. This series brings together many, many of the aspirational values that we have here at Hillcrest. There's a vision paper where we've kind of outlined several of these uh, values. 
in his vision paper that we kind of said this is kind of what we want to be all about over the next number of years. And if you haven't taken a look at that, I'd recommend it. You can just contact the office. We'll make sure that you get a coffee. But here's some of those values. Multiplication. And Steve's talked about these over the last couple of weeks as well. Easily reproducible models and tactics for sharing the gospel and discipling people. So that there can be a harvest, like the scripture said, of 30, 60, or 100 fold. A church of prayer. A church that prays not just that our lives would be more comfortable, but that his kingdom would come. That we would pray for more laborers for the harvest. That people far from God would come home and rejoin his family. We need to be a prayer evangelism movement where every believer takes spiritual responsibility for their sphere of influence, where you recognize that you are a minister of the gospel. You are someone's spiritual shepherd. And we need a clear and simple pathway to get there. We've outlined a pathway over the last couple of years. Celebrate big, connect small, walk with Jesus, share the work, engage in mission. We've been inviting you to take steps in each one of those areas. This series, Commands of Christ, brings together lots of those things, and it adds greater clarity, I believe, and helpful tools, helpful strategies to help everyone along this pathway. That's why we're doing this series and why we hope that you sit up, that you lean in, that you take notes, and that you go on this journey with us. But first, uh, how are you doing? (laughs) It's... uh, What's the date? Uh, January 45th. And uh, it's, it was really cold for a while. Um, maybe you're feeling the sting of Christmas spending. Uh, maybe, again, you're a Christian and you're here today, and you're, or you're not a Christian and you're kind of here today going, I, what did I get myself into? Um, January can be a difficult season. Winter can be hard for some people. Um, maybe you're facing a crisis of some kind. Maybe that's at work within your family, maybe your health. How are you doing? I think it's important for you to have that thought every time we gather together. How are you doing? So that we can meet each other's needs, so that the Lord can minister to you. I want to share again kind of our key verse for this whole series is from the Great Commission. Hey, get out there. Go. Make disciples. But there's a promise there that I want to continue to remind us about. It comes with a promise And it ends with, I will be with you until the end of the age. Even in this age that is marked by trouble and difficulty, brokenness, he is with us. In fact, maybe you need to say that out loud or in a very polite Canadian way, just kind of under your breath, right? (laughs) You can say that. He's with me. He is with me. If you're feeling alone, he's with you. I believe the spirit of Jesus comes to us like a a blanket wrapping around us to bring us comfort, to bring us strength, to bring us peace. He is with us. In fact, I was even thinking of the disciples that, uh, you know, he spoke to about this. Uh, Hey, go make disciples. I'm going to be with you. They went to face incredible odds, and most of them were killed for their faith. And a promised life, this was enough to sustain them and get, it, get them through it. Whatever you are facing today, his presence is enough. I believe that. You can say that to yourself. He is with me. Okay, mini sermon over and back to the regular sermon. Okay, so part of the new play is that we want to be oriented towards obedience. 
We need more simple steps and loving accountability that comes along with that about the goals that we set each week. So over the last couple of weeks, Steve has pitched us a few opportunities, a few baby steps that we could take, and a lot of them had to do with doodles and videos that we've watched. So I just want to touch back to those quickly before we kind of move into the bulk of our message for this morning. How many of you have tried these? Get your arm ready to put your hand up if you've tried these. Okay, and don't be embarrassed if you haven't. That's okay. How many of you have tried the 15-second testimony? 15-second testimony. Okay, there's a handful of people who've got their hands up. That's great. So something very, very simple. It's the elevator conversation with somebody or the airplane conversation perhaps, although if you're taking a 15-minute flight, that's great, or a 15-second flight, maybe it's not so great. There was, you could simply start with, there's a time in my life, and you could explain what it was like before Jesus, how you encountered Jesus, the difference that he made, and then you could simply finish with, do you have a story like that? Tell me your story. 15 seconds, it's all you need. But um, there's great resources on how you could use a tool like that. There's another one, the Three Circles Gospel Presentation. Uh, You remember watching that video, Three Circles? Just a simple way to say, okay, over here we've got, you know, these aspects of the gospel. Anybody, Anybody try that? Again, hand ready. No? Okay. I know someone who's tried it using coffee cups. And they just said, ah, I got the three coffee cups at Tim Hortons. Good enough. This circle is this. This circle is this. They kind of walk through it. Okay. Just curious. Now, how many uh, have you have done the 411 Disciple Making Training video? Uh, a number of weeks ago, we invited our life group leaders to tackle it and to do it. Life group leaders. Any, anybody get the chance to do it? Not yet? Okay. Um, hey, these are great tools And we want to, again, lovingly say, hey, these are great tools. You should take advantage of them. Um, Anyways, one other one. Again, some groups maybe just went through it this week or will be going through the 411 disciple-making training uh, in the next couple of weeks. All that 411 stands for is four questions that you answer and use one sheet of paper, and it takes less than one hour to do it. That's what 411 is it. So, the other one is the church circle, and we're going to do this one together, all right? We want to be practical, simple, help you give the right tools. This is the church circle, which is a simple way to illustrate what a healthy church looks like, and this is based on Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 47. So, you can see this little diagram up here. There's a few icons on it, and they all kind of are supposed to spark your memory for aspects of what a healthy church is. So, I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds to look at all of those squiggles, Maybe they're small for some of you people with bad eyesight. I'm sorry. A few of those squiggles. And this is just a helpful way to kind of talk about what does a healthy church look like. Okay? Um, We're going to move on now to the next slide and see if we can fill these squiggles back in. Are you ready? Okay. So, again, if you want to uh, cheat, you can get Acts chapter 2 out and you can look at some of these ideas and see if you can help solve what these squiggles are all about. Okay. First uh, diagram, we have a circle. So a group of people. What's your sphere of influence? Who are you trying to connect with? What's your group that you're kind of aiming at? If you're going to try to make disciples, you're going to have a group in mind. So that's kind of all that circle is talking about, a group. It's not a church yet, but it's just a group of people that you have in mind. You're trying to connect with them, have a relationship with them. Let's go to our next icon. This little squiggle is the one that represents this week, which is repent and believe. It's the people who are saying, yeah, I want to be a part of God's family. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, to be a part of his kingdom. So that little arrow is a simple way to say repent and believe. Let's go to the next one. Okay. Oh, yeah, you got it. Baptism. Those little squiggly lines mean water. 
okay? Uh, anybody, can you guess what's coming next? Anybody remember this from the week we did it before? After the squiggly lines, what, what do you think is another thing you could do to learn? Pray? Yeah, I heard pray. That's good. I think there's a little squiggly guy with his, uh, on his knees there. That's great. Uh, and what's, uh, what's maybe the next one? Anybody remember what this other thing is? Discipleship? Yeah. So we've got, again, a little tiny circle, and it kind of spreads to many other people. Uh, other aspects of a healthy church? What do they do? Yeah, giving was mentioned. We've got that one coming up a little bit. It's not the next one on our little diagram, but that's, that's part of it. Let's, uh, let's bring the next image up. We're talking about, yeah, the love and fellowship. They were together sharing things. That's right. Okay, beyond that, what did they do? What we did here this morning, they got together and they worshipped. Uh, they were singing songs together, that kind of thing too. Right, simple little icon just talking about worship. Uh, they also broke bread together. They shared communion. Uh, we get to do that next week, which is great. Yes, someone already mentioned giving. That's the next one coming up. I think dollar signs. I don't think that was the dollar sign that they used back then, but that's great. Um, Okay, so after giving, what else uh, do we have here? Any other? Yes, they, they kind of gathered around the apostles' teaching. That was very important to them. So we, they studied the word. They, the scriptures were open to them. They looked at what Jesus had taught. And there's the apostles helping and leading and, and guiding this group of people. So we have leadership. Okay, so, and again, once a group is going, hey, we've got these dynamics going on, you've got people who are coming to faith in Christ, you can start your own church, and that's when you would kind of make the church circle uh, solid. So that's the church circle. So, if it was up to you tomorrow to start reaching 35,000 people as the only believer, and you were starting from scratch, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd be glad to have a simple tool like this to help me remember what does it look like? What are the simple elements of a healthy church? Okay, we're going to keep on moving. This week, we're talking about repent and believe. It's that simple arrow of joining the family of God. We're going to look at the command of Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus gives this command right at the very beginning. Out of the gate in his public ministry, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe the good news. Okay, we're just going to simply kind of break down some of these things. Talk about the time has come, the kingdom, repent, and believe. And Hopefully you'll also hear the good news here this morning. The time has come. Now there's lots that you could possibly say about this phrase, the time has come. Uh, maybe in a, in a biblical study kind of a way or in a theological kind of way. You know, this is God. He's been working out a salvation plan all throughout human history. We can see it all through Scripture. And now Jesus is on the earth. You know, it's this fulfillment of the plan. He's going to die on the cross, be raised to life, uh, conquer sin and death. And I, I think that's important, one thing to keep in mind. I think that's helpful. But if we want to be action-oriented, leaning into obedience, I think it would be also very helpful us to more so think about that's my invitation. It's been given to me. What am I going to do about it? Are you going to RSVP to this invitation to be a part of the kingdom? The time has come. Will you respond? I think that's also important to keep in mind. The time has come. Yes, in the grand sense, there's this plan throughout all of human history leading up till uh, this moment. But the moment comes to you. And I believe we should think about Responding, And at the time, the invitation is coming to you. Will you respond to the invitation of Jesus? 
Now, the kingdom of heaven. What is this kingdom that Jesus is inviting us to be a part of? Well, for one, it's the, the place where Jesus is king. It's the rule and reign of God. It's the eternal realm of God. And it sometimes breaks into our realm. We hope that his kingdom will come. That's what we pray into our realm in greater measure. The kingdom of heaven. In some ways, it is also our true home. We were meant to be in God's presence, in God's kingdom. But because of sin and death, we've been alienated again from his kingdom because of our sin. So that, that's very quick and brief on the kingdom. There's much more that you could say, but let's keep moving. Let's talk about repentance. What does repentance mean? Repentance perhaps doesn't mean to apologize or just say sorry or even be sorry. Apologies and sorrow in many ways don't cut it. And we kind of know this because we, you know, we'll shout at, you know, if my kids are bickering, we'll kind of, you know, try to break up a fight or something like that. And we'll try to figure out maybe who was doing some wrongdoing to the other one and then, you know, say sorry. Um, you know, and they, they say sorry and, you know, we often get them to try to include apologies like, you know, what are you sorry for? How did this come about? You know, what are the reasons for? But in some sense, it's like we're trying to get to repentance using oftentimes the words apology and sorry. And I'll kind of explain what I mean. Um, to apologize is to give the reasons for something. And that doesn't kind of acknowledge any wrongdoing necessarily. For example, I slashed my boss's tires because he fired me. That's an apology. <laughs> Right? But we know, like, but it's not really like what we mean by apology, but that is an apology. Or, he was so rude, I decked him. Again, that's an apology. It doesn't admit that you wouldn't do it again. It doesn't admit that you're sorry about it. And actually, I think also sorry can be weak in some sense too. So being sorry is to feel negative emotions perhaps regarding your behavior or the consequences of your actions which doesn't really say anything about any future transformation. Many people are stuck in a state of sorrow because of their actions or the consequences of their actions, and yet they have no forward momentum. Okay? That's why I think sometimes apology or even sorry or sorrow are weak and not quite repentance. What I think repentance is, according to the scripture, it's a sense of responding to God with life transformation. From the wrong way of living to the right way of living. Apologizing and being sorry are kind of part of the process, I believe, but they aren't the main thing. Life transformation is the main thing. In fact, Jesus said it this way, go and sin no more. Or he said this as well. This is Mark chapter 3, verse 35. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister, my mother. Being a part of his family, it has to do with obedience to his will. So repentance is to set aside one way of life for another. And the Bible often talks about the sin of idolatry, which is to love and serve something else besides God or above God. See, repentance from idolatry is to reorder your loves, making God the highest on your list. Or 
to seek first the kingdom of God. And then everything begins to fall into place. So that's a little bit about repentance, setting aside one way of life for another, the righteous life that God is inviting you to. Belief. So believe does not mean a a blind faith, ignoring reality, or sticking your head in the sand, ignoring whatever science and other realities. Belief is not, also, is not just to understand or to know Christian doctrine. Sometimes they talk about it like these are the beliefs of Christianity. So that's, again, what belief does not mean. Here's perhaps what it does. is belief in God, in Him, in His salvation plan, His purposes for your life. They're built on truth and reason, following evidence, but it still requires a future, forward, relational faith in Him. Believe means choosing to trust Jesus as both Lord and Savior. And I think that's critical. We often pray that prayer every single week, talking about Jesus being Lord and Savior. Lord, Jesus is God himself. He designed and governs the universe, and we must surrender to him. And Savior, we must admit that we need a Savior that we are incapable of saving ourselves through our own self-righteousness. We need to believe his words, his teaching, follow his instructions, align ourselves with his plan, his design for us, the truth. Now let's ask this question, why should we repent? Well, the scripture says this, Romans 3.23, many of you would be familiar with this, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now again, repentance is for everyone. Acts 2.38-41, we see that everyone must repent for forgiveness. Uh, And one more thing, what is assurance Often people have this question when it comes to repentance, belief in God, finding salvation. Romans 10 verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's very simple, but a promise is given. You will be saved. 1 John 1 9 says, When we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. That God responds to us when we put our faith in him, when we repent and when we believe. John 10, verse 28 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. The scripture that we read earlier from Mark is about a farmer sowing seed. Later in that chapter, Jesus explains to his disciples what that parable means. So I'd like to take a look at those verses with you now. Then Jesus said to them, because they kind of asked, well, what was that parable all about? 
He says this, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Then he explains it to them. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Here's just a couple of comments maybe about that. The word, the gospel message is going out But Satan, which means the accuser, I think comes along and says to people, maybe one of or two lies, that either they don't deserve salvation or that they don't need salvation. It's an accusation that comes. Trouble and persecution. Again, following Jesus is hard and very hard in the face of persecution. The worries of this life, it's way too easy to be focused on the day-to-day busyness of the lives we live and miss out on life in all of its fullness. Or the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things. Many people love their idols too much to behold the glory of Jesus and his kingdom. Now, I think oftentimes we think of idols as being Um, you know, a false god, a not real god, or again, an object that, you know, ancient peoples would kind of worship, not really understanding how the world works. But I think it's important to think about it in terms of the things that we love and serve. And the Bible kind of goes on to talk about idolatry, and it kind of says, don't make an idol out of, and then it lists nearly every dynamic and possibility. Up here, down here, over here, over here, like this, like that, like this. It goes on and on and on. In fact, it kind of fills in every parameter that you can make an idol out of anything. Even good things you can make an idol of. You can love them. You can serve them. But I I think we've said it here many times. The only master that doesn't enslave us is Jesus. And if we have some other idol, it will cause our own destruction. We have to be careful about the idols that we have. Finally, good soil. They hear it. They recognize that the gospel message is for them. They understand the invitation is for them and that they need to RSVP. They accept it. They respond. They make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And then, I think I've missed this part most of my life, they produce a crop. See, most of my life, I thought the crop was righteousness and good works. If I receive the word of God into my life, it will make me a better person. And that might be true, but it's starting to dawn on me that it's about spreading the gospel and making disciples. Someone that produces a crop, they share it with others. 
they share it so much that it multiplies. The seed that they spread finds good soil. It produces seed. It finds good soil. It produces seed. It finds good soil. It produces seed. And on and on. And there's this um, multiplication of many disciples, not just of multiplication of somehow more righteousness within you. As we kind of come to a close this morning, there's a couple of things I'd like to do. One, just remind us that maybe for you, the time has come. The invitation is before you. And I want to encourage you to respond and not kind of say, ah, the time can kind of be later maybe. I think the kingdom is near. It's right here. I invite you to repent and believe. That's the command of Christ. So if you're setting goals, if you're trying to figure out what's your action plan after being here with us this morning, if you haven't become a Christian by repenting of your sin, putting your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you need to do that. We often pray this prayer. I'd invite you to pray it with me. You can make this the first time that you pray. You can invite God into your life. It goes like this. You can say it out loud for the confidence of someone who might be fearful of saying it out loud. Dear Father, thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. If that was a first time prayer for you, we would love to talk with you about that. If you weren't kind of quite ready in that moment or you have more questions or other kinds of things, you can come forward at the end of our service. We have prayer teams that are always available and they would love to pray with you. They would love to pray with you about receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you're a new believer, we're so glad that you're with us. We hope that you stick with us on this journey as we explore the commands of Christ. We hope that you will become a disciple maker and multiply I also want to say, hey, if you're new to Christianity, try Alpha. Alpha is coming again at the end of February. It's a Tuesday night class. Kind of watch a video and have informal conversation about the central teachings of Christ. If you are a Christian, maybe you have been one for a while, but you have not taken seriously your identity as an ambassador of Christ and as a disciple maker, I'd encourage you to do the 411 training from No Place Left I think it's important to really process why you should be making disciples and also take some time to process why you are not. If you're ready to get into gear as a disciple maker, again, the 411 training, it really helps you to process who you're trying to reach and come up with strategies for who to connect with. And if you already know who you want to reach, maybe you need to figure out what you're going to do and what you're going to say 
411 can help you with that. If we're going to be action-oriented disciples and disciple-makers, we need to start asking when and where and get serious about an action plan. Asking questions like this, when in your week are you going to pray for people who are far from God? Who are you going to connect with this week? What tools would be most helpful with that person? Now, if you follow us on social media, we'll be posting links for many of the tools that will go along with this series. I encourage you all to check out No Place Left on YouTube. There's lots of resources there. Or check out the Commands of Christ website. You can go there anytime and you can catch up on what we've been talking about. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we are um, wanting to come before you simply and honestly and invite you to take us from where we're at to that glorious place that you're inviting us to, of knowing you, of walking with you, of experiencing life in all of its fullness, experiencing your kingdom in many ways now and, and one day to experience your kingdom in all of its fullness. Jesus, thank you that you stepped into our world not just to hand out uh, teaching and commands, but you came to us, uh, loved us, and died in our place on the cross. You gave up your life for us. And then you were raised to life Conquering sin and death so that the sin in our own lives or even death as it comes for each one of us would be conquered. We say thank you. Jesus, would you help us who know you, love you, and walk with you uh, to really be able to share this with other people. We do pray that in our lives and through this church there would be a multiplication that would happen. And we humbly ask that it would be 30 or 60 or 100 times that your spirit would do a work so mighty among us that many people would experience your goodness, that they would receive your invitation to life abundant, that they would walk with you, that they would know your goodness, know your presence, know your leadership in their lives. Father, for the person who might be taking a very first step in knowing you or in walking with you, I pray that you would give them all the strength and encouragement, tools and resources that they need. Yeah, Father, we really do want to surrender ourselves to you. In your name we pray.